Would you pray with me? Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes. Open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your Spirit. Amen. I want to begin with some words from an author named David Foster Wallace. In 2005, he began a commencement address at a prestigious liberal arts college with what he called a cliched parable. I think his parable was actually meaningful, so I want to begin this sermon with his cliché. Wallace said, There are these two young fish swimming along when they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way who nods at them and says, Morning, boys. How's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit, and then eventually one of them looks at the other and says, What on earth is water? Now the point of the fish story, Wallace says, is that merely the most obvious, important realities are often the ones that are hardest to see and to talk about. Wallace goes on to paint an annoyingly real portrait of adult life for these young, intelligent, eager, soon-to-be college graduates. He mentions the overcrowded grocery stores with the shopping cart with that wheel that annoyingly makes it veer left as you push it. He talks about endless traffic, bureaucracy, long hours at work, the annoying clerk at the Secretary of State office, endless consumerism, and a world that tells us everything, absolutely everything, is about me, me, me. And when Wallace is ready to bring this speech home, he gets honest and says, a real education has almost nothing to do with knowledge and everything to do with simple awareness. Awareness of what is so real and essential is so hidden in plain sight all around us all the time that we have to keep reminding ourselves over and over, this is water. This is water. Now on that day when these disciples went up the mountain, they received a real education. If they were these two fish, they learned what water was. Peter, James, and John go up the mountain with Jesus, and at the top, Jesus is transfigured. That is, he changes form. He was transformed. He appeared to the disciples in a new way, a way that they had never before seen. And they see Moses and Elijah speaking with Jesus. They hear that Jesus will die and Jesus will rise from the dead and a cloud appears, appears and a voice beckons. This is my son, 
listen to him. Now, there is no single aspect of this story that lines up neatly with the reality that these disciples know or the world that we understand. Transfiguration can sometimes seem to be impossible to make sense of. What it does for the disciples and in turn for us is that it asks us to look at our understanding of God. The things that we take for granted, the things that we just simply assume, the water that we just keep swimming through, it asks us to look at it all from a different perspective. It asks us to consider what we understand and what we don't. On the mountain, the disciples face the intersection of flesh and spirit in one wildly unusual moment that pulls them right out of their daily realities to see with new eyes. And the point of the fish story resonates right here. The most obvious and important realities can be the hardest to see, the hardest to talk about. When we know the experiences that pull us out of normal life and ask us to consider what it really means, we know these moments. When we put the phone down after having learned that someone dear to us has died. When we learn that someone we care about is in the hospital, when a relationship is strained, when we don't feel like ourselves when health is declining, when careers change, when communications and communities struggle to meet, when we face the frailty of our lives. Transfiguration, though, points to the identity of God's being, one that changes the shape of what we know. It points to the life that is promised in resurrection, It points to God who is persistently with us in all of our hardest moments, in all of the hardest of human experience. In a life of faith, this promise of God to walk with us is the water that we swim in. These are the promises that we experience in baptism after all. And when we apply these promises to our lives, it is easy to turn to theological abstractions. It's easy to use jargon. It's easy to oversimplify God's love. But people we know are important to God. We are important to God. Our neighbors, however different they are from us, are important to God. And in the middle of this gift, the task of faith is no simple endeavor. To be honest about the frailty of our human lives and trusting in the promises of God's love without hiding behind the jargon, without becoming overly saccharine. Our lives are a continual interaction between the things of God and the things of our earthly human experience. And this is what the disciples are confronted with 
on the mountain. This is what we are confronted with throughout our entire lives. How do we make a meaningful conversation between the interaction of flesh and spirit in our own lives of faith when they don't necessarily line up with easy understanding? Strangely, and I know this is strange, I find that some knowledge of physics and quantum mechanics is helpful on this matter. I know, crazy, bear with me. For those of you who are not up to speed on the branch of physics known as quantum mechanics or quantum physics, let me explain. It is the study of the motion and the interaction of subatomic particles. That is to say, the very smallest building blocks of the material world, among which might be familiar, protons, neutrons, electrons. Advances in modern physics have been telling scientists and all of humanity, really, that nothing is exactly what we see. One of the great debates in physics focused on this question, is light a particle or a wave? And this question opened endless debates and lots of experimentation and created camps of scientists But we can thank Albert Einstein that we know that now that light is both. It is particle, it is wave. But depending on the situation, light can only be seen as one or the other, and sometimes it can be applied as either or, but it can never be applied simultaneously. It's weird. But about this discovery... Einstein wrote, We are faced with a new kind of difficulty. We have two contradictory pictures of reality. Separately, neither of them fully explains the phenomena of light. But together, they do. In Jesus... It is hard to understand the phenomena of God without flesh and spirit. And in transfiguration, we encounter both. In quantum physics, this would be called complementarity. That is to say, two different, even contradictory ways of seeing the world can be true, just not at the same time. And there's a lot about the calculus and particle accelerators and quantums and all sorts of things like this that I really don't understand. But I am glad for those who do, because it has taught me this. Light belongs in two different experiences of the world. And it matters how you pay attention to them. Physicist Frank Wilczek said this about complementarity. One must view the world in different ways to do it justice. And the different ways can be very rich. Each can be internally consistent, can Each have its own language and rules, but they may be mutually incompatible. 
And to do full justice to reality, you have to take both of them into account. Our lives are filled with complementarity. Every day there are contradictory aspects of our lives that somehow hold together in the different spheres of our lives, at work, our health, justice, politics, friends, even church. We turn to God and discover that God is at work in diverse ways and it feels incomprehensible But when we turn to the story of transfiguration, we enter a holy mystery. It might not even be possible to fully understand. The disciples sure don't get it. Suppose on some days neither do we. But the dazzling light on that mountain reminds us that Christ is more than a teacher, more than a prophet, more than we even know on most days. And God enters our lives every single day in so many different ways. Yes, it is in an obvious and important reality for those of us who call ourselves people of faith. But no, God does not appear before us dazzling each day as in the transfiguration. If only it could be so easy. God's story is diverse, full of variety, and ready for all that we might bring to God. But Jesus doesn't disappear in that flash of light on the mountain. Jesus keeps walking toward Jerusalem calling the disciples to keep following, calling us too to carry on. An ancient theologian named Gregory Palamas explained this complex mountaintop experience in a particular way. He wrote, Christ was transfigured not by receiving something that he didn't have before, Not by being changed into something that he previously was not, but as manifesting to his disciples what he really was, opening their eyes, and from those once blind, making it possible to see again. We, as part of the church, are about to turn the corner in the church's worship calendar toward Lent. The season of Lent is a season of walking together as a faith community, as individual people of faith toward Easter. This Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, we will begin this journey, and it is a season when we open our eyes more widely, we listen more carefully, we pay close attention to the things that God is doing among us, around us. If we pay attention, we might just see Jesus. And we will see Jesus lives among us full of love, and mercy, and justice, and forgiveness, prayer, communion, and so many ways that we experience 
God in worship, in our relationships. This is a time when we remember the water we swim in, the air that we breathe, the things that we assume and take for granted, but pay close attention. It's a journey. And we'll know that God is with us on that journey. And as we begin it, may we have eyes to see, ears to hear, a mind that focuses, and a heart that pays attention with all of our abiding trust. May it be so today and to the ages of ages. Amen.